Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we clone your brain with weird and wonderful science. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this extra trustworthy edition, Nick Dirks, president of the New York Academy of Sciences, completes our conversation about public trust in science. But first, here's news of the AI Clone Wars. Cloned voice criminals? A woman in Arizona received a call from people claiming to have kidnapped her teenage daughter and demanding money. With her daughter crying and talking clearly on the call. They demanded a million dollars and when she explained she didn't have that kind of money, they settled for $50,000. The woman was with a group of friends. One phoned the police while the other phoned her husband. Her husband was able to verify that their daughter was safe and where she was meant to be. The criminals had cloned her daughter's voice using an artificial intelligence tool. The mother said it was completely her voice. It was her inflection. It was the way she would have cried. I never doubted for one second it was her. The latest software needs only three seconds of your voice to copy it. Although the longer the sample, the better the cloning sounds. Over the last few years, there have been reports of criminals using voice cloning to pretend to be managers and CEOs, instructing employees to move funds over the phone. Now, it's fake kidnapping. The FBI response was to tell people to lock up their social media to restrict criminals' access to your personal information. But that's not going to be enough. People can cold call you and hold a marketing or charity conversation with you over the phone and use the recording to clone your voice. Just saying hello might be enough. Or they could find you speaking in someone else's video. Or ultimately stalk you and record you live if you're a target they think is worth the risk. Meanwhile, voice cloning has hit TikTok in a big way. TikTok user Ghostwriter wrote and performed a song in the style of Drake and the Weeknd called Heart on My Sleeve, and then used an AI tool to switch his voice for Drake's, and got millions of streams on TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music before it was taken down. On YouTube, the Universal Music Group claimed there was an unauthorized sample at the beginning of the song. If the performer hadn't used that sample there would have been no legal justification for pulling the song because copyright has never had to cover the sound of your voice. Does a recording corporation really own your voice as well as the rights to your songs? Shouldn't you own the sound of your own voice if anyone does? Currently, your voice, style or workflow isn't able to be copyrighted. Heart on My Sleeve had original lyrics and original music. So no copyright was violated other than the sample, according to existing laws. As long as you don't violate a trademark by pretending to be the original people, 
But of course, if you do commit that fraud of pretending it's a song by a famous artist, then that artist is the one who can claim the income. Imagine if a song with a cloned voice was a big hit, and a famous musician falsely claimed it as genuinely theirs, what was actually a faked song, and then getting sued by the creator of the song. What if you use the cloned voice of a politician or other celebrity not known as a singer? Does that just count as parody? Also on TikTok, American student Jared Chavez got a viral hit by posting music videos of a cappella versions of songs that are sung by AI voice clones of famous singers. He's had millions of views across dozens of videos. But surprisingly, the videos haven't been taken down because he didn't violate any laws. Canadian singer Grimes said on Twitter she would split 50% royalties on any successful AI-generated song that uses her voice. She said, same deal as I would with any artist I collaborate with. Feel free to use my voice without penalty. She said she was energised by the idea of open sourcing all art and killing copyright. Putting her money where her voice is, Grimes has been partnering with AI voice companies like Uberduck and Elf.Tech to simulate her voice to make it easier for fans to make songs using her voice. After her announcement, fans started posting links to songs they'd created using her voice. Uberduck have announced a Grimes song production competition with a $10,000 prize pool. They offer an online tool where you can upload your voice singing your song and get back Grimes' voice singing your song. Elf.Tech have a similar online tool. Grimes said she was looking forward to being a guinea pig for the technology, adding, I think it's cool to be fused with a machine. Grimes may have just pioneered a way for famous singers to have their cloned voice used by other artists, but still get paid without any lawsuits or new legislation. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Science and public trust. There have been movements from all sides of politics away from listening to experts, particularly scientists. Nick Dirks is president of the New York Academy of Sciences, professor of history and anthropology, and formerly chancellor of the University of California, Berkeley. I spoke with him by Zoom and continued our conversation by asking him, what is it about vaccines? Why, why is it? What is it about vaccines? But to that extent, you know, we could generalize beyond the pandemic and say, there's something uh, very strange going on when you think about pandemics, when you think about some of the other major uh, issues that confront science, say around climate and climate change, or around uh, technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning, chat GPT. You find that in all these cases, uh, you know, there, there, there are, uh, you know, such serious issues around them and such deep fears that are associated with them that we see 
almost a kind of resurgence of, dare I say, pre-modern thinking taking taking over and uh, subjecting science again to this kind of uh, skepticism at best and uh, and fear and, dis- and and deep distrust uh, at worst. Uh, climate, you know, people are talking about extinction events. Uh, AI, just a couple of weeks ago, there was an open letter from many practitioners in the field of artificial intelligence who called for a six-month pause on the grounds that, uh, you know, we were developing technologies that uh, we would not be able to control and that have the potential to cause great harm. And in some cases, again, you you know you keep hearing this phrase to cause extinction events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we're we're thrust back to that moment when the asteroid hit the Earth and killed off the dinosaurs, and we see that reverberate all over the space of uh, of, of science and and our and our public and our public sphere today, uh, in ways that make one think that. Um, you know, science has uh, uh, is is absolutely critical for all these things that we're talking about on the one side, but on the other side, uh, is not terribly well matched against the power of thinking about the possibility of uh, the extinction of the human race. There seem to be this extra layers going on where there's there are there are pundits, there are there are people who take advantage of people's distrust of government distrust of experts and push it just that little bit further so it becomes a little bit politicized but not in a traditional sort of way necessarily so i know people who are otherwise very educated and intelligent who were so distrustful of the new the new covid vaccines that they turned against the vaccines they've been taking all their life suddenly they were suspect as well so they weren't going to have a flu vaccine every year anymore but there seem to be there seem to be a, a movement to use people's distrust of science. So they they pick and choose which ones they're going to believe and which ones they're going to disbelieve. And how do we guard against abuse of science that way? Yeah, no, no, no. It's a great, great question. And 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 of course, you know, it's not as if people are uh, when they're when they're getting frightened about about vaccines or uh, you know finding all vaccines in spite of the fact that. We know vaccines are associated with uh, with the extension of the human lifespan by you know almost double over the course of the last hundred years. We know that on the one hand. So you know, are vaccines bad? You know, vaccines are the are uh, in some ways are the distillation of the miracle of modern medicine. And they've never been safer. Is the funny thing is like I look at the vaccines from the late twentieth century, and they had much bigger risks associated with them than the ones that we allow now, which we, we just don't allow that level of risk. They're much, much safer. Oh, completely. Yeah, no, you know, just a little aside is that the uh, the history of, of vaccination and the development of vaccines goes back to the 19th century when, you know, when variolation was discovered and, uh, and, and, and basically the smallpox vaccine was introduced in India based on local practice in fact which was then picked up and used by uh by british colonial administrators but then it was taking the live vaccine and reintroducing it in small doses uh through you know through a process of variolation and of course it did have major risk attached to it because some people did get you know get get the pox and uh and either suffered mightily or or even died and as you say, even 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 40, 50 years ago, the vaccines were not tested in the same way. They weren't nearly as safe. We have a level of safety now 
and also, uh, you know, we're monitored when we take take the vaccines, and people are looking for, you know, uh, even even what are statistically tiny risks associated with them. But but they 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 seem to again distill this kind of fear about uh, about about science and the conspiracy thinking and the paranoia that gets associated with uh, with things like vaccines takes off in, in, the, in the modern age. And of course, it takes off in part because we have other technologies that are very good at, at spreading these, these, these theories and, uh, and, and expanding these fears, namely social media uh, and, uh, and all the different modes of communication that, uh, that now can take, uh, take a, a, a you know, scientific fact hat, uh, turn it upside down, distort it, uh, and then uh, distribute it you know, across to millions and millions of people. Do you think there's a bit of contamination from people's loss of trust in governments when there's been lots, all sorts of scandals of things not being the way they told us they were and that sort of going across to all experts and particularly when governments use scientific expertise so they think, ah, lockdowns, they, they weren't really for scientific reasons, that was just the excuse, they were waiting to do this all this time, sort of very odd thinking because we've had pandemics before <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's where people a lot of people seem to go you know there's a a, a book written by uh, a sociologist at, at columbia university gil ayal called the crisis of expertise and he's argued in that in that book that um that it's 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 not that uh, you know, science is distrusted across the board. There are all kinds of areas of science that people accept. Um, you know, you, you're holding, uh, nobody can see this on the podcast, but you're holding a coffee cup. And I assume, and you assume, and I think anybody who would see you would assume that if you drop the coffee cup, it would fall on the floor and probably shatter, that gravity would operate with respect to it. And it's one of many principles in science that that we we accept. And, and nobody goes around, well, very few anyway, uh, nobody I've seen recently goes around uh, saying, you know, gravity is a uh, is 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 a is a scientific idea that is being thrust upon us, and you know, clearly there uh, uh, that, that was a bit of a problem for uh, for for Einstein and 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 for, uh, for for you know for Newton and and Galileo when they came up with theories about the relationship of the Earth to the Sun and uh, heliocentrism and the like that uh, people didn't accept and people didn't like. Galileo was put under house arrest for his entire life and. So on and so forth. We know that uh, you know that that some of these issues that are settled today were not settled 100, 200, 300, 400 years ago. But there's you know that whole area of settled science, which 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 basically uh, is is not contested. And then there's a, a an area around it of, of 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 contested science. And typically, and this is Ayal's argument. Uh, those areas uh, of science are where science uh, has been used by governments to make policy. Now, in the area of public health, we know that uh, public health departments, in fact, almost across every nation, have extraordinary powers. They can suspend the normal order of things by calling for an emergency. One of the things that I know in the US, and I, I don't know if this is true in Australia as well, but I suspect it is, is that even local health officials, public health officials, can can basically close down, you know, the local county or town if there's a perceived health risk of one kind or another, whether it's 
bacteria in a in a milk factory uh, that's that's been identified salmonella on a in a chicken manufacturing uh, plant or or what have you. And they were given these powers because the need for quick action has been shown to correlate with uh, with public safety. But it still is extraordinary power that is accorded to them. And so epidemiologists, in a, in a way, have as much power as as people in 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 departments of defense and and state, where you know there's national security that can always be used as a kind of alibi for uh, again the declaration, say, of a state of nat- national emergency. But here we have, you know, the, the move of, of biomedical knowledge through the agency of public health officials taking on, uh, you know, this huge political power. And of course, it's often, and again, go, going back to what you were saying before, it's often based on educated guesses, hunches, knowledge to be sure, but incomplete knowledge almost always. And that then becomes the area of contestation. That becomes the kind of place where where people can say, you know, science is fine as long as, you know, it's not uh, uh, enacting policies that will impact me and make me have to change what I'm doing. And even if there's a, you know, a a clear and present danger, as the saying goes, people aren't very good at assessing risk and danger when it's something that's very close to them. You know, you people have to be chased out of their houses when there's a forest fire and they know that it's coming at a, a very, very fast pace and the winds are against them and uh, and and the like. But they, you know, they want to they want to stay in their homes. They want to protect their homes. All kinds of things get all kinds of emotions get and get uh, get 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 brought into play when it comes to, uh, you know, changing your your ordinary life and and doing something uh, extreme, which in the case of public health is is often the case. So I only mean to use that example to say that I think the issue here is, is as you say, it's as much about government as it is about science. It's about where science and government go together uh, and uh, and then seem to be exercising uh, extreme and arbitrary power over your ordinary life. There seems to be this strange application of critical thinking only to certain areas and not to everything else. So that instead of critical thinking leading to more rationality or more understanding of the way the world works, you end up with the reintroduction of flat earth theory as being a new movement in the 21st century when we're going into space and we've got actual photos and videos of earth and space, how can people be using critical thinking to come up with completely wrong ideas? Well, it may be critical thinking in the sense that it's thinking which is critical, uh, <laughs> but of course, uh, it's not necessarily high, highly uh, highly educated in those cases. You know, I, 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 I think about this a lot from the point of view of my past as an academic and uh, indeed as an academic administrator, trying to understand why it has been the case that that universities, which of course house uh, vast numbers of scientists who do amazing work, uh, whose work, uh, whether it starts as uh, theoretical or applied science, uh, often is translated into uh, into products, into uh, 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 into drugs, into you know all kinds of things that not only make our lives more convenient, but also make them healthier and make them better in, in, in all kinds of very discernible ways. And 
why is it that you know universities too have been subjected to this heightened level of distrust and, and skepticism? Uh, you know, to some extent, uh, you, uh, you 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 think about the extent to which the uh, you know the the, the universities uh, um, uh, have become more. I mean, the U.S. certainly have become more expensive, harder to get into. Uh, they seem to be more and more elite. They seem to be more and more removed from uh, ordinary social, cultural, political life. There have been, you know, there have been accusations, many of them ventilated on cable news and social media, of the uh, left-wing extremism associated with uh, with 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 universities, and um, and they become very convenient things to fear or to even hate. Uh, uh, and the further away, the more, uh, the easier it is sometimes to, you know, just, just believe the most extraordinary stories uh, that might be predicated on a kernel of truth, but, you know, get blown up into a massive conspiracy theory or something like that. And again, you, 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 you look around and you see, you see that we're, we're 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 often finding that you know science just doesn't exist as an independent field of inquiry anymore. It's just connected to all these other things. It's connected to these institutions. It's connected to government and distrust of government. It's connected to universities and the uh, uh, and sometimes just plain old uh, envy uh, uh, and uh, and resentment of uh, of the lives of of experts who seem to be you know. Uh, uh, Living, living good lives and having tenure and uh, lifetime security and uh, and all of those things that in a in a in a in a world of precarity where uh, you know there's more and more inequality and uh, and and you know more and more concern about uh, about economic well-being uh, that you know you see these fears just kind of escalate without without control. You know, it's going back to what we were saying in the beginning. You know, the anti-vax movement uh, is made up of some people who are highly educated. You know, I mean, in the U.S., we have a a, a, a Kennedy who just announced that he's going to run for president uh, on the basis of an anti-vax platform, and this is a this is a Kennedy who's the son of of Robert Kennedy. Uh, you know, this is a family that has had wealth and uh, access to the best education that money can buy, and yet, uh, you know, somehow they fix onto this uh, this anti-vax uh, uh, kind of Almost hysteria as uh, as 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 a, as a as a way of, of of trying to gain some kind of control over a world that seems to be beyond control or out, uh, beyond beyond one's own control for sure. So it's it's you know it's 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 unfortunately it's it it it's it's the case that science is just connected to all of these other kinds of stresses and uh, and 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 anxieties and pressures in everyday life. Uh, and we can't abstract it from that because that's not how people think. So we're confronting a, a, a really interesting moment uh, for science and for scientists. On the one hand, science is, 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 is making extraordinary uh, progress. It's doing that in, uh, in, in the biomedical domain. It's doing it around uh, new mRNA technologies, as we've seen, it's also doing it in terms of CRISPR-Cas9 and gene editing, and amazing potential for uh, for 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 actually dealing with disease in in ways that we've never been able to do before. We're making an incredible progress when it comes to uh, technology and uh, artificial intelligence promises to 
open up even more than before uh, the resources of the world's knowledge to everyone uh, and to do so in ways that may help us uh, do everything from write boring memos by uh, calling upon GPT to uh, to finding out that uh, we can we can discover new drugs and we can uh, identify new, uh, new 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 parts of the of the human uh, genome and body that we haven't been able to do before. We are able to predict and uh, and 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 think about the the future of the planet in ways that might allow us. Uh, to to really think about how best to mitigate climate change and to and to actually sustain the great gift that we have on this earth, but all of these things go along with their opposites and uh, the skepticism about uh, all three uh, areas of inquiry and also the fears that are unleashed by thinking about, as I said before, the potential extinction events associated with all three. So it's the best of times and the worst of times for science and for scientists. Uh, but uh, uh, but I think that uh, there's no doubt science is going to be at the center for some time to come. Well, Nick Dirks, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. That was the second and final part of my conversation with Nick Dirks, President of the New York Academy of Sciences and Professor of History and Anthropology, talking about the problem of public trust in science. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Are you a scientist, artist, biohacker or maker who'd like to be interviewed about your work? Would your company like to sponsor Diffusion? Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. Please subscribe to the Diffusion Science Radio channel on youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio and rate the show on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 28 stations on the community radio network, including Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM in New South Wales, 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2MVR in Nambucca Valley, 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, City Park Radio 7LTN in Launceston, Tasmania, and 2XXFM in Canberra. Diffusion is narrowcast on Indigo FM 88 in northeast Victoria. Diffusion is syndicated globally on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com that's www.diffusionradio.com and check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show if you enjoyed the show you can explore more than a thousand previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear make a donation through paypal.me slash ianwolf or Join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. 
everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.